it's it's got to be the golden arches in the background of that stadium there <laughs> it's it, it's the only explanation for it uh or maybe windsor's good but we still haven't figured that one out Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. We are set to take on our week five slate of games. We have five on the docket for you this weekend. We'll get into what we expect to see and more, but we'll go through a few segments, you know, kind of crossing over the halfway point of this year. Every team's now had at least three games. Um... So we'll kind of get into some of our, our predictions, who we've liked so far this year. But we'll start off with the segment we introduced last week, our stock watch segment. Uh, quick recap from our last week. Uh, Nate, you had bought into that Queens defense, and I think your returns were pretty handsome on that one. I had bought a little uh, stock into the Guelph run defense, and uh, despite at times it was looking okay, I think Rashid Tucker put me on my place for that one. Um, what are you thinking uh, with your portfolio this week? Are you looking to diversify it? Are you looking to double down? Are you looking to get off your position? I can't imagine it is the latter of those options. What, what are you thinking? Well, you know, it's difficult. I'll probably hold my queen stock. I mean, it's kind of hard to, you know, it, it, it depends kind of the speculation. If you think people will think it'll continue to go up. Maybe this is kind of everyone's opinion is as high as it's going to get. And it just kind of tapers off from here. Queens has risen to what people think they're going to be. So I'll just hold on to that one. But you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll throw in maybe something a little bit more interesting. I'm going to throw, um, you know, some money. You look at the Guelph stock, particularly that Guelph offense. Um, and uh, it's a, it's just quite, it's quite low. I mean, if you look at it, I think it's what 20 points in the last two games. People, it's, I mean, you see, it's a lot of red. You know what I mean? It's not just the it's not hot from Guelph. So it, it know, ain't hot. You know, I think uh, I'm going to buy the dip on that one. Give me some Guelph stock. Give me that Guelph offense. Um, I'm going to, okay. you know, I'll, I'll pick up both. So, you know, give me a little that. If that Guelph offense doesn't necessarily come through and the defense does, you know, maybe offset my losses a little bit. But I'm hoping they come through with for me uh, over the next few weeks, hopefully making a playoff push. Well, speaking of Guelph um, and, and, you know, we'll get into that game. They're taking on Waterloo coming off the bye. So, I mean. We'll see. Obviously, we saw Tyrell Ford get injured a couple weeks ago. Um, maybe that'll help Guelph's passing attack a little bit. I do think he is playing, um, but maybe a little banged up. Obviously, whoever's that quarterback's a bigger deal. We'll get into that uh, a little bit down the road. But, uh, you know, speaking of Guelph, um, you know, uh, said I bought a little stock in that in that run defense. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and unload a little bit of that. Uh, my, my apologies to that front seven. Uh, you know, AJ, you, you know, you know, at the 55 has nothing but love for you. And, uh, now, can I just know, specify what is, yes. what does a bit of that mean? You're not completely offloading your position, are you? Um, well, you know, I mean, this, this whole kind of segment's kind of like whose line is it? Whose line is it anyways? Where, you know, what's the tagline where it's like something, 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 and the points don't matter. So in the grand scheme of it, for all we know, I just have money to throw around at all these stocks one way or the other. So what does a bit mean? 
you know, that's up for the people to decide. Nate. That's <laughs> up for the people to decide. But what I'm all going to go down the road to do a little bit is, um, you know, talk a little bit about kind of the perception of these teams, where we think the kind of, you know, the sort of overall consensus is of, of uh, you know, how hot a stock may be or how low one might be. And, you know, I'm actually going to try and uh, I'm going to try and uh, make as many enemies as I can with this statement. I'm going to try and I'm going to go ahead and short some Windsor stock here. They are probably the the darlings of the OUA right now coming off of two huge wins at home against Guelph and against Mac top 10 ranked teams in U sports in if that even matters. But they're going down the road to take on Western at home. If this were reversed where, you know, in two weeks' time where we'll have Western visiting Windsor, maybe I'd feel a little more comfortable. You know, there's that weird, I don't know, electromagnetic field around Alumni Stadium at, in Windsor that somehow throws off all these teams from I playing think, Zach, like they it's, should. It's, it's got to be the golden arches in the background of that stadium there. <laughs> it's it, it's the only explanation for it. Uh or maybe Windsor's good, but we still haven't figured that one out. Either way, uh, you know, whether or not the consensus in the talk in the, around the league is that people are are liking Windsor enough to 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 give Western a good fight or pick up the win, uh, I don't know if it's gone that far. But you know, for the sake of of expanding my portfolio and taking a taking a risk here, let's let's short a bit of that Windsor stock, and that'll kind of set up a little bit of my thoughts when we get to that preview. To the preview of that game, um, but that's uh, that's kind of the update on our stock watch for right now. Um, now, sort of taking a look at some of the top performers we've had in the league this year. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball. A couple names we'll throw out as along with our sort of front runner for who we think the best player has been, and you know, I I, I know we're lockstep on this, and uh, for offense, it, it, arguably he's the MVP of the league. Uh, in Ontario as well right now, but it's got to be Rashid Tucker. You know, he's averaging something almost 130 yards per game, running the ball. That team's 4-0. and I just, you know, the way this year has gone, as we've said, there's been one thing so far that's felt consistent, and it's been Queens, and that all starts with the ground game. You obviously did a great job in highlighting how well that offensive line's been playing. I think we said it was 14 pancakes for them against Guelph. Um in their last outing, but you know, right now, I, Rashid's got to be the, the front runner for the best offensive player in the league and probably MVP as well. Anything you want to add on to that, or yeah, I'm gonna steal used a few weeks back. Uh, let's just say it's been a heck of a season for the kid, so we'll, oh, see, we'll see where he ends up, but uh, that's all I can say at this point in time, no doubt. Uh, you know, we, also, you know, shout out to. Trey Ford, Andreas Duick, who, um, you know, have had uh, good outings as well. I mean, Trey, obviously a guy that all eyes were on him this year and continue to be on him. And it'll be interesting to see uh, how he performs coming off the bye week. And Andreas, you know, those three picks very much undo-y-like uh, for him. But, you know, nonetheless, he's, he's still definitely been a, a strong performer. Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, um, I feel like we're a little less sure of ourselves here. Um, so I, I think at this point, we just kind of have a, a few names that I think if at this point, if any of them were to garner the best, the award for best defensive player in, in the league, I don't think anyone would raise an eyebrow. Uh, those names being AJ Allen 
for Guelph, Deontay Knight for Western, and uh, you know another Golden Gale, uh, Anthony Federico. Um, he, all in their in their own respects, just been terrors on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Deontay, a guy where you know he puts up the stats too, but just when you talk to guys around the league or you know on his team, where you know he's just he's you know your, your favorite player's favorite player type situation where everyone you know respects the hell out of that guy uh, you know AJ we've always seen what he's done and we saw the impact in that Queens game when he had to miss some time and, and Queens really took advantage of running the ball up the middle to that vacant middle linebacker spot that he had held down and then Federico I mean the sack master 5,000 you know just doing his thing his go-go gadget arms just pulling down quarterbacks causing havoc and you know as I kind of alluded to in our our breakdown from last week you know he, the attention he garners also allows for other guys on that defense to have stellar performances as well. Um, so I guess just kind of throwing out a few names there. I, I don't Nate, Nate. Are we missing anyone in that? Or I feel pretty good about that list. I don't. It's hard to put you know anyone else above any of those guys. So I feel pretty yeah. confident it's going to be one of those guys. If we had to pick right now, at least you know still plenty of time left uh, for some guys to move their way up the board there. Totally. And, you know, there's definitely some other dark horses around the league. Tommy Brini's had a really good year for Laurier. A couple of the guys out in Windsor that had really strong years. Um, but, you know, I just, if you're listening to this or if we're putting this on a graphic and you're going to get, you know, upset about us putting these names up there and, oh, we didn't mention so-and-so, just, just please, just, I ask you only this. If you're going to say another name, just also tell, just actually make the case that they are then better than these other names. Because that's, you know, going back to when we did the top 100, it's always easy to say a player is too low on our rankings, and they very well may have been at any point. But by virtue of saying that, you are therefore also saying that they are better than X number of other players who we put ahead. So I just I am, I am just ask the people that when we get upset about these things, and you're welcome to get upset about any of the things we post, I just take your takes a little further. Start, I want start naming names. Let's take this to that next level. That's, that's all I ask. That's all I ask. I'm just human. Uh, and then our last thing we're going to take a quick peek at is some of the top performers from rookies in the league. It's obviously been a bit of a a weird one because we had the double recruiting class. So I think we did our due diligence in pulling up a couple of these names. So if we're if we're wrong, happy to you know uh, be corrected on that. But you know, uh, a couple guys out of Ottawa. Um, not the GG specifically, but one out of Ottawa, Rodney Estime, the receiver for the GGs. He's been a really strong performer for them. And then uh, the other Ottawa team, of course, being the Carlton Ravens, Kasim Ferdinand, uh, really solid performance for him so far this year. And uh, in that last game as well against UFT, coming up really clutch in helping them get the victory uh, against the Varsity Blues. Um, so I'd say those two are, are, are the names that uh, really stood out for us. But also we gonna kind of throw on the little watch list of guys, um, you know, Evan Hillock, who it'll be interesting to see once the 55-man rosters come out. You know, we obviously saw him go in for Jackson White at quarterback um, for Western in that Laurier game. And uh, along with a few other things that happened in the second half was definitely part of the story that led them to picking up the victory in a very tightly contested ball game for most of it. And um, and then on the flip side as well, the quarterback he was going up against in Taylor Elgersma, who you know, was kind of thrown into the fire for the due to the injury to Connor Caracello. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like 
you, you you do a good job, Nate, of reining me in when I, I maybe get excited about some of the performances and, you know, just keep it in the context that like all the while it's it's good, but he's still still a rookie and still a lot to grow. But nonetheless, uh, I, I'm sure this wasn't what he expected to have happen. I'm sure he's been overjoyed just to have these experiences. And um, so, yeah, you'd have to kind of just mention his name in the fold with those other guys, at least in a watchless capacity. Any thoughts in uh, kind of talking about those names we mentioned? I mean, obviously, you got both those Ottawa guys and now kind of obviously Ottawa has kind of had their young quarterback coming up. And then, you know, Carlton now finds himself in a similar situation for now. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how those guys develop over the years and definitely will be fun to watch them squaring off. But I think for me, what what is maybe most interesting for this list is kind of, you know, what's going to happen with Evan Hillock and what's going to happen for Western? Um, because I thought he looked pretty good in his first started. I think I think there's just as, uh, I guess, equal a case that I could make for Jackson White starting as well. But I think, you know, if Evan Hillock gets a chance, I think he'll be right there with um, Estime and Ferdinand kind of uh, in the race for that rookie of the year. Yeah, and of course, just, I mean, by virtue of the position, if he does end up starting out the rest of the year and if Western continues to not roll, but if they still end up top of the West, I mean, just virtue of the the innate value of the quarterback position, uh, it's definitely not too late for him to make a run at that. You know, if they even be Windsor, okay? (laughs) Well, that's a a great... Well, actually, before we transition into our picks, into our predictions, we'll just do a quick standings watch uh, just to keep you updated on on how things are looking on both sides of the OUA. So in the East, we have the only remaining undefeated team, Nate's Golden Gale, sitting comfortably at 4-0, you know... First class with the seat back. I still see you, Carlton, there at two and two. Ottawa two and two, you know. And and Carlton, you know, we'll get into that. Getting another shot at Queens coming up, and then we have the the bottom of the East. Toronto at one and two. York at zero and three, which uh, you know we will definitely get into. We talked a little bit in in the review from last week that very disappointing losses for both those teams. Um, only amplified by the fact that it was you know the five and a half six hour bus ride that they had to do as well. But for the, the 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 viewers, for us just to, again to sit back and enjoy the football, it definitely makes for some intense scenarios coming up with these teams having to face off twice in the next three weeks, including in the very last game of the season. Um, so that's how the East is looking right now on the West side of things. I just, what it's it's a dog's breakfast. There's so many twos and ones and ones and twos. I don't know what's going on. I am just I'm already losing sleep at the prospect of having to figure out how the the tiebreakers are going to go down because it's a nightmare in regular looking seasons, and I'm sure it's only going to be worse in this situation now. But as it stands, we have Western at the top at two and one, Waterloo at, and Windsor. Uh, also at two and one, uh, I su- I suppose by virtue of Waterloo's win in week one against Windsor, that's what puts them technically in second for right now and then we have a slew of one and two teams at the bottom in order going McMaster, Laurier and Guelph. Similarly though as we set up with Toronto and York on the east side of things a couple of those teams are going to be duking it out to end up the season so it just I don't know what when you look at those standings like can you make any sense of what's been going on this year? Looking at that alone no, but in the context, <laughs> in the context of thing, it, it does make sense because you know we've had a lot of parity and whatnot, and I think sort of we've seen some teams have a bit of an 
easier schedule at first and some with a bit of a harder schedule at first. So watching these kind of flip and, you know, they're going to be a lot of crucial, crucial games coming down the stretch. So uh, I have a feeling these standings will not end up the way they are currently. I, I, I will agree with you on that. I think that's one of the few things we can say we know for sure. But hey, then again, now that I'm calling it, we'll probably it'll probably end up exactly as it is. I don't know. Whatever. It's it's madness. It's chaos. It's going back to your uh, your who's back from week one or week two. It's just it's it's just pure insanity going on in the OUA, and I'm here for all of it. But let's get into our week five preview. We'll start it off with the game we are picking for game of the week. It is part one of the Argo Cup, the Red and Blue Bowl, the Battle of Toronto. Just throw all the at you know the the nicknames you want at it it's york it's toronto one o'clock start at varsity stadium so that's downtown uft's home stadium i'm gonna be at this game um you know it there's <laughs> we were kind of talking a little bit before we started recording right now it, it it's kind of tough to take a game of the week um at this point maybe the smart thing is just to say hey if you care about OEA football, you should just be tuning into all these games because kind of going back to that standings watch, they all matter inc- incredibly. Um, but, you know, the first matchup of the two Toronto teams. So definitely want to highlight this one. So, yeah, one o'clock start at Varsity Stadium. We saw, as we mentioned, both these teams heartbreaking losses against the two teams out of Ottawa last weekend for U of T, as you kind of highlighted, um, you know, Clay probably his, his not probably definitely his best game so far on the season um we saw nolan lovegrove start to have some production adam williams you mentioned working him in the re- receiving game but also getting a few carries on the ground will corby still a stud doing his thing and then of course their wild card and chris mcclain when he catches his punts i mean who knows what he's gonna do um and on the flip side for york talking a lot about so much promise in the skill position group with those guys. Noah Craney, I, I believe the word of the day was was developing when we were talking about him and Miracle that the youth threw out, and I feel like that's an apt description. And when it comes down to York, though, it's 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 the defense. It's it's Coach Ockpro's zeros. They bring in the heat, and you know that's partly what's you know. I'll, I'll just start from the jump and, and kind of make my prediction and saying this. That's partly where I'm leaning in making my pick here, which is I'm going to take York in this one because when we saw these teams tee off going back to 2019, you know, that was sort of pinnacle of this bird gang offense for U of T and York kind of came in being like, okay, cool. Well, we're just going to send everyone at you. We don't think you can block us up and you know, good luck hitting those 60, 70 yard strikes down the field from your butt clay. So I'm thinking York's going into varsity with that same approach that they are going to just bring the heat and cause all types of havoc and pick up their first win of the season. Your thoughts on part one of the Argo cup battle of Toronto red blue bowl. Yeah. Um, you pick York and it's really, what do people say? Is it last chance loon? Something like that. Uh, it's, if they lose this, they're basically done, right? This is a playoff game for the York Lions at this point in time, essentially um, coming up, coming off against Mac and then playing U of T again and sort of vying for U of T in that last playoff spot. U of T already has a win up on them. So, you know, they're probably going to have to win, you know, maybe both of these games. So from that perspective, it's it'll be an interesting game. 
Um, I think for me, you know, I'm a quarterback, so I'm going to talk about the quarterbacks. And obviously, you got Clay Sakara on one side, sort of the the vet in the situation, you know, Noah Craney in the other. Um, and I think you're right to point out the York defense, but I think U of T is capable of playing smart. And I think they've kind of shown some evolution of the offense. And I think really what this game is going to come down to is turnovers. Um, looking at York's game last week against Ottawa, that was sort of the case as well. You know, they profited off turnovers and that's what sort of ended up setting them back as well. And sort of, you know, that offense, obviously, I believe they had five turnovers last game, and that's sort of been a theme for them so far this season. I just don't feel comfortable picking a team that sort of plays like that and sort of, uh, I don't know if I would even call it risk-reward, but sort of there's, you know, I don't, it doesn't feel safe to me. Um, you know, U of T, I know sort of that offensive stack with veterans. I know they remember what happened in 2019, um, and I think they'll come out with the plan for it, so you know, barring, barring uh, some turnovers and some safe play from the blues, I'll stick with them and I'll roll with U of T in this one. Well, we'll take that and move it into our next game. Uh, another, unfortunately three, one o'clock games going on this week, but you know what? Doing the best we can, I guess not. We OUA, I guess, whatever. Uh, our next one, we'll talk about Windsor traveling to London to take on the purple ponies. Uh, I, I suppose I played my hand uh, regarding my feelings in this one uh, in our stock watch segment, trying to short the, uh, you know, the overwhelming feeling of joy that uh, has been expressed towards this Windsor Lancer team. And you know what? None le- no, no one more so that, than myself. I am filled with joy at seeing what this this JP Sir Sally run team has done. I have been a Sam Girard fan for a number of years. Um, you know, AB Alex Bournet, we had him on the show, really nice guy. And as we've highlighted a number of guys on that defense, uh like Beatty, like Vanny, um that have had terrific years. But, you know, uh call me crazy if I like Western at home coming off a bye. You mentioned the quarterback situation there. Will it be White? Will it be Hillock? Um, obviously, we don't know right now, but I'm fairly confident that they'll probably have, they probably have a pretty good idea um, of where they're going with it. And, um, you know, we obviously have seen that Windsor defense be really solid, as you mentioned just there. Um, but this is, uh, you know, somewhat not, not entirely regardless of who's at quarterback, but the Humes Edwards uh, combination at running back has been uh, nothing but stellar. And you know, we talked about that Queens O line, how well they've performed. Um, Westerns, you know, if you were to pick the top offensive line units in the in the province right now, you know, probably can go with either one of those two groups and no one should bat an eye at that so uh yeah i'm taking western at home i'm not going to do much more analysis than that hey you know what if, if i'm wrong again i'm wrong again windsor you can keep hating and it's, that's okay we're just I'm, I'm only human i'm only human anyways nate what are you thinking well, you know, you want to short the Windsor stock. I'm saying let's create a GameStop AMC scenario where we start pumping <laughs> this thing up, man. <laughs> Artificially inflated up. Okay, shoot. All right, maybe I should have waited We're taking Zach's weeks. whole portfolio here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, it's – I'm going to make a case for Windsor here. And, 
you know, it's based off past results and, you know, I'm still thinking about the pick. So let, let me talk it through with myself here first. Please. It's just so, you and me, man. It's just you and me here. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So, I mean, you look at Western's last game against Laurier and they're kind of confused with the quarterbacks and, you know, they're throwing all these interceptions. They have five total turnovers on the game. Not very Western-esque. Now, they're still able to come through and in the end and all that. But, but now you're looking at a Windsor defense who has forced a lot of turnovers in the past couple of weeks themselves. You know, against Mac, I believe it was five as well, the three picks from Duick at least. Um, actually, probably just three picks from Duick. I don't know about fumbles. But they have some potential to create some problems. And depending on the quarterback situation, um, you know, I could see I could see it being possible um, for there to be some trouble in this game. But I think sort of the difference for me it, and, you know, it's sort of it's Western. It's at home. We know sort of their pedigree. We're not used to them turning the ball over all the time. That doesn't make sense to me. You know, that Western front, I mean, I feel comfortable in saying it's better than Max front. I don't think Windsor will be able to turn on the run game like they did late in that one against Mac. And I think you know, just my brain, I, I struggle seeing Western trot out in those purple uniforms and having Windsor drive down the 401 there to London and come in and beat Western at home in TD Stadium. It's just, it's hard for me to visualize. I, I can't see it. I want to go there, but I just, I can't see it happening. Um, you know, Windsor, don't get me wrong. I hope you win. I granted, I really hope you win. I'm rooting for you every step of the way. We all love a Cinderella story. Um, but for purposes of picks and predictions, I'm going to go with Western. And I think I see them winning this one. Well, I mean, you mentioned it as like the Cinderella story and kind of going back to talking about were those last two games truly upsets. And at the end of the day, we'll never really know because either Windsor keeps winning and then they just were good. So it's, you know, they maybe just outright better than Mac and Guelph. And still not sure we necessarily believe that about Mac in that uh, part of the equation, or maybe they revert back to the pumpkin that many people thought they were going to be this year, in which case those were the upset wins. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all just going to play the outcomes on these and just kind of spin it however way that makes sense. Um, you know, I thought you were going to go with Windsor on that, which actually worried me because knowing how you've been picking this year, I don't know if it's being in Europe or what's going on, but when I thought there for a second, you were about to pick Windsor, I was like, well, Western's doomed. They're I, I don't know what's going to happen in this one, but it's it's just, it's they're they're not going to win. They they can't beat both Windsor and the power of Nate Hobbs' magical picks. Um, and you know another sort of another wild card for Western as well is with whether we will see the return of Kojo Odoom for them at cornerback. Um, he's been out this year so far with I think an ankle uh, sprain. I don't think anything too too major, but of course you know picking up the Rookie of the Year award in 2019, just stellar uh, defensive player who you know amazingly like it's easy to not notice that he's missing because their defense has still been like really good. But just the idea that they might just get back one of the best corners in the league. Um, I say that not really knowing his status, but fairly confident that it's not a season-ending injury that he's been kept keeping him out. Scary prospect. On the other hand, there is an op- a chance that we come out of this week and Windsor is sitting at the top of the OUA West. Um, possibly tied with Waterloo, but also depending on what happens in their game, which we'll get to briefly, possibly on their own, which is really fun to think about. 
Um, although our picks would have us thinking elsewise. Did you did you want to use a different F word there other than fun, Zach? Or... <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of F words that we could probably throw out to describe how this season's been going. But we'll, 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 we'll move forward. We'll throw out that F word to our last one o'clock game of the day. Ron Joyce Stadium. McMaster Marauders hosting the Wilfrid Laurier Golden Hawks. Laurier coming off their bye week where maybe... Connor Caracello is uh, rested up now. I mean, don't know the full status of his uh, of the injury he suffered. Uh, and we were talking about, I think it was his, as you were saying, I think it was his non-throwing arm that he uh, suffered the injury to, which, I mean, as the non-quarterback in the room, like, what? What do you need both your arms for? I don't I don't get it. This is, uh, this, is, this is referencing a, from, in week one, we, you know, I read a tweet from the Laurier play-by-play saying, uh carousel's left arm was in a sling that is all the information we're going off of so i don't know how long you know, luckily i've never had a a shoulder injury but um you know i think actually baker mayfield is playing with a shoulder injury right now is non-throwing shoulder so i don't know if uh the oua has the same nfl caliber docs uh or access to resources but i don't know i hope we see him back at some point though well, I mean, we see we saw Dante Master Giuseppe kicking on one leg. So hey, you know what? Let, like, let's get Connor back out there. But I, I obviously I, I say that all kind of kidding. Not really sure of his status. Um, but yeah, so Loria coming off the bye, coming off of that really competitive game at Western, as you were kind of highlighting there, where uh, they were causing Western a lot of fits. Um, and as it's been, as the story's been for this this team, it's been defense, defense, defense. Uh, Tommy Brainy's been a stud for them at linebacker. Uh, Christian Hutter Coppin at safety, he's been a stud. Ao Ajayi at corner, Shamari Hutchinson, like they have playmakers that you know were a big part of why that upset almost happened. I was, you know, being at that game, I was so ready to be like, all right, Tommy Bring is the player of the week. Like offense, defense, but it just doesn't matter. He was balling out. So we look at who their opponent is. Mac at home. We saw how Mac looked in their first home game where they um, handled their business against, uh, you know, at the time, the undefeated Waterloo Warriors. Mac obviously coming off a very un-Mac-like game in Windsor where, you know, not just the the sheer number of penalties um, and the turnovers as well, but as we talked about that, you know, that bench penalty in overtime, just it's just so uh, unbuttoned up uh, for uh, you know, Mac uh, in, in that situation. So, that, you know, kind of just setting the table with this one. We mentioned what Duke's been able to do this year at quarterback. Um, somewhat inconsistently but overall you know we still know the name we still know the talent so anyways i'm gonna pass it over to you what are your thoughts on this one and who are you ultimately picking yeah we talk about mac and it's like we know who we are we know who they are but do we know who they are i mean like one really really strong performance but then two other ones that kind of make you scratch your head and wonder what's going on um now granted that one really good performance was at home kind of as you mentioned so feeling pretty good and i think turnovers are something that you know it's either going to be a problem for your team and we're going to see it over and over and over and over again or it's something that just needs to be tidied up and from the first two games you know i don't know if duke had any picks uh, i you know i could pull up the stats but I, i'm fairly confident that turnovers were not a big part of either of those games for mcmaster at least not from the quarterback position as we mentioned an uncharacteristic game from them last week out 
And to me, I think that's all that was. Um, and I just, you know, I'm, I'm not blown away by anything Laurie has done this year. Obviously, I think if Carousel is there, I'd be more interested and I'd kind of maybe tend to lean more that way. But um, I still think back to that performance against Waterloo and sort of Mac looked like almost the class of the West of me for a week, which I mean, we've had several teams take that turn. So who knows, for all, maybe it's Laurie's turn to do it this week. But um, I think, yeah, I think it's just a sort of a, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say a blip on the radar for Mac because we've seen another one in week one, but um, I still have faith in this team and, and their potential. I think being at home will be good for them. So, and not to mention the uh, chewing out they must have got yesterday uh, or today actually on film. So all those things come into mind. I think it's going to be a really intense week practice for them. And uh, I think they'll be prepared to uh, come out and beat Laurier on Saturday. You know, and you make a really good point in highlighting that the turnovers are very unduic and unmac like in general. And as a result, it's probably more of an outlier than something that's indicative of their team. And you're absolutely right. The penalties is is the exact same thing. Obviously, you know, there's certain teams that we don't, you know, furrow our brow when we see them rack up penalties. Uh, Mac is one of those teams that you, you generally expect to to keep that down. So, yeah, I, I, I totally get your point, the blip on the radar uh, point about that. And, uh, you know, what I'll say next is partly inspired by the fact that I am getting just crushed in our in our picks. So at some point, I kind of have to go against you. But you know what? Uh, if we do see Carousel trot out there, that's obviously a big boon for this Laurier team. And, you know, can't go without recognizing that Tanner Nelms is – super low-key been one of the you know top five top four top five backs in the OUA uh so far this year and doing a lot of that with uh, a rookie quarterback handing the ball off to him which obviously you know teams are going to be more able to key in on the run defense if they're not as you know if you're, if you're not thinking the quarterback's going to be bringing you know bringing uh you know an, an a performance again so you know what I'm going to I'm going to lean into hoping that Carousel is back for them. I'm going to lean into after seeing what David Adenaran was able to do on that Mac defense run the ball that Tanner Nelms can put up a performance similarly and that you know what while deep down I don't truly think that those turnovers are what Duick is all about. You know what though if there is a team that could turn them over and you know maybe turn some of those into points uh, I think it would be this Laurier defense. So I'm going to take Laurier off the bye, on the road, in Ron Joyce, the stadium that I've talked about as being a, a really tough place to go into, picking up a huge victory and just you know, just dropping another bomb in the OUA West standings um, for us all to reconsider what we know or don't know. Um, so moving into our, our 3 o'clock game on the day, we have the Carlton Ravens taking the short trip to Kingston to take on the 4-0 and Queens Golden Gales at, sorry, what's Richardson Stadium again? The best stadium in the country. The best stadium in the country. We're, we're we still have our uh, RIT guys checking in on that, but uh, that's, uh, so far that, that seems to hold water. Um this is an interesting game. Uh, it's obviously, you know, for Queens at this point, I don't know if, I mean, they, they've they assuredly secured a playoff spot. We know that at this point. There's no way they, you know, it, yes, that, that we know that for sure. Um, you know, for Carlton, um, I mean, we saw week one with Tanner DeYoung 
only put up six points on that defense. Uh, and as far as your stock portfolio goes, I mean, to think that, you know, obviously they've improved as the year has gone on. All these teams have, including that Queens defense. But six points with Tanner. Ooh, and that was at home. And now they're taking the show on the road. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't love it. I don't love it, Nate. I, I love those running backs for Carlton. I love some of those skill position guys. Their defense is really good. But I think ultimately there's just way more things I love going on at Queens right now, on top of the fact that they're home at Richardson Stadium, which is sorry, what's Richardson Stadium? The best stadium in the country. See, I'm gonna keep pulling this this gimmick here because if you break before I do and not wanting to call Richardson Stadium the best stadium in the country you know that'll speak more towards towards you as the actual queens alumni but uh, you know i'm just i'm taking queens in this one um i i've bet against them in a few weeks now uh to my own chagrin as it hasn't netted me uh much success in the standing so i'll I'll go with queens at home in this one where do your feelings lie on this well richardson's great but i think they need to get turf's great, but let's get some grass back in that stadium. What do we think of that? I, Zach, man, I don't know what you thought about the grass. I love playing on the grass, man. It reminded me of a lot of high school football, but uh, you know, I'm sure players that on opposing teams are happy to see it go. Um, but I think you make a lot of good points and sort of, you know, what happened last time. And obviously DeYoung's not there, but I don't believe Nathan Cutter played in that first game, at least. So if you're a Ravens fan, I, maybe you want to hang your hat on that. But I mean, if you kind of look at what needs to happen for Carlton is they need to run the ball and kind of keep things manageable for, for young Reed Van Conant, I believe. So um, I think the issue with that is no one's been able to run on Queens yet so far, not even Carlton in their first game. I mean, having a more talented running back can make a difference, but I don't think, you know, the O-line in that equation, I think, is sort of the larger variable, I guess, let's say. So, um, you know, I think it'll be a tough day. I think it'll pose, you know, the young quarterback uh, some problems at Queen's defense. They've posed some better quarterbacks, even more problems. So it's it's definitely going to be a tall task. Um, and you know, it, it's really hard to pick against this Queens team at home right now, um, especially for Carlton, given the circumstances, um, you know, playing with the backup quarterback, not ideal. So um, I'm going to stick with the gals just like you on this one. And you know what? Before we move on to our last, um, before we move on to that, the next game, um, you know, one thing that's kind of interesting, kind of looking at Queens' schedule the rest of the way out, is that they have the last week by. Uh, so, you know, they, they play on the Saturday and then their their final game of the regular season is in Ottawa against the GGs on the following Thursday. So kind of interesting to think and, and Ottawa having the bye week. So, I mean, not to get too far ahead of ourselves right now, it just kind of caught my attention looking at the schedule here. Bit of... I, I don't know any just not to belabor the point too long because, you know, maybe this is more of a discussion for next week. But just kind of looking at this, having Ottawa with pretty much a week and a half to prepare for Queens and then Queens will, I guess, have like maybe one day of like uppers practice and maybe a day in helmets. Um, and then the final bye to go into the play by we go into the playoffs. 
just to take like a minute on that point, any thoughts? Does, does all that resonate with you in any way or is, is it just kind of a meaningless kind of observation? No, I think it's a good point to bring up. And um, yeah, it's tricky because, I mean, you could think, hey, it's good. Queens has the rest. You know, they just played seven weeks in a row. And yeah, that's probably good. But I mean, the good thing for them is that game's probably meaningless. But I just think that gap um, is interesting to see and kind of, you know, looking at who they'll be playing week one, maybe, you know, be maybe- red hot. U of T or York team coming off of a just dire. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to see sort of right now. Yeah, that Queens team kind of losing a game like that at home. But um, you know, I'm not going to close off the idea entirely, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are we low key just saying that Queens has been the best team all year, but they're going to get upset in the first round of the playoffs? <laughs> we will litigate that. It's, it's happened to them before. 2008 oh year before um year before the vanier year before the vanier some people you know the the thing they say about queens is that was actually the better team that's what people in that community say over the years and uh got knocked out in the first round i think i think it was an ottawa team or maybe it was guelph it was one of the two but um yeah gotta be on the lookout for that you never know we will litigate that further as we approach week six. But speaking of Guelph, they are in the nightcap as they are hosting the Waterloo Warriors. Also coming off the week four bye. <sighs> okay, so Guelph back at home. You know, we talked about the 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 Mac. Uh, you know what they were able to do at home versus on the road and and, and how they looked. It's not maybe not significantly. Well, actually, in Max's case, I'd say it was fairly significantly, at least on the offense side of the ball. Guelph, you know, it was at home where they were able to cook up that that huge victory against Western that made them the darlings of the OUA until Windsor just snatched that from them so quickly in the last two weeks. Um, with a Waterloo team that, um, as we said last time we saw them on the field, was at Ron Joyce Stadium getting... I think I think my comments after that game were, you know, Mac was clearly the better team on the day, but you know, kind of as we've commented on some of those Mac losses, I don't walk away being like, oh, that's it for Waterloo. Clearly, they're 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 a fraud. Uh, you know, they still have a guy in Trey Ford that you know, what we don't need to talk about Trey Ford. Every, everything that you can say about him's been said. Sorry, did you say he, Tyrell? Which 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 brother? We can or, talk about either one of them. Like, you know, I mean, you, like you like pickup trucks, F one fifty Ford. No, uh, the, the the premier of of the province. You know, I, I think he's making an appearance in this game. No, but <laughs> Waterloo. Um, obviously, they they've been like I said, a bit of a blip in that MAC game, but fairly consistent. You kind of raise the point though that maybe those first two games for them to open up the season home against Windsor and then ostensibly a home game playing at Laurier for the part one battle of Waterloo. Maybe those weren't great tests, but now maybe we're doing the thing where retroactively we're saying, oh, actually maybe that week one win over Windsor is more impressive than we gave them the credit for because of what we've seen Windsor do, albeit it's what we've seen Windsor do at home. So Windsor was on the road. So does that mean anything? I don't know. We also highlighted the fact that Deshaun Stevens on Twitter was mentioning that Windsor just in week one doesn't look nearly as good as they did in the last couple weeks, which fair, most teams look better and improve. I'm just rambling way too all over the place on this. Um, I am going to take the Warriors on the road. Um, you know, 
I'll be this is kind of the emotional hedge for me again when I took Western to uh to pick up the winning Guelph where you know what if it doesn't come through I can still feel some somewhat good about you know Guelph having picked up the win but um especially coming off of the bye and you know you mentioned Tyrell's name in the mix there along with Trey um who we did see get injured against Laurier he played against Mac but no doubt the extra rest will be good for him um yeah, and, and the quarterback question is just still too significant to to look past for Guelph. So I'll have Waterloo on the road taking out the Griffins. Yeah, some good points there. And I think, you know, the quarterback question for Guelph is obviously the biggest. And, you know, obviously we don't really know what happened last week. Was it an injury thing with Sean Lal? Or maybe they're just favoring DeAndre Rose a lot more. Um, you know, I can't say for sure, but I think the Guelph offense showed signs in that Queens game and it doesn't like <laughs> show up in the box score or in the final score or anything like that. But watching that game, you know, um, there, they had, they had their opportunities and, you know, they had those first two drives early in the game. They had two drives late in the game as well, the opportunities to score and score touchdowns and, you know, I'm of the opinion that could have been a different game for them. And I think <laughs> it's not, I'm not all doom and gloom on that Guelph offense. I, you know, I have questions, but I, I have some faith that they can turn things around here. I'm not giving up on them yet. Um, I think being at home in a night scenario is a bonus for them. You know, they'll feel all nostalgic. Oh, remember we beat Western at home at night. Wow. Wasn't that great, man. That was awesome. So maybe they could do that again. And I think, kind of harping back on my Mac pick against Waterloo is Guelph's had a team is a team that's had some success against Waterloo over, you know, the years and the Trey Ford era in particular. And I think, um, you know, as long as that offense can sort of turn it around and sort of finish drives and be more competent then you know, I think as a Guelph has a good chance in this one. And I just think the stakes as well for them. I mean, you know, they have, they essentially have to win two out of their next three, um, and those you know, water playing Waterloo U of T and then finishing at Mac, um, you know, I think they're under a lot of pressure and, you know, I'm going to pick them to come through here. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if it sounds like I'm not hundred percent sure on this pick. I'm absolutely not, but I think I've talked <laughs> myself into it. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. With Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, you you raise some good points in that in, in that as well, and you know, it's Guelph's had success against Waterloo. Um, no, not just at home against them too, but you know, in twenty nineteen, going on the road and taking them out in, in in Waterloo as well at Warrior Field. So you know, maybe there's some something in in the I, I don't know, maybe it's something about the, the the Ford brothers were originally you know that Guelph was going to be the other team they went to which uh, as the Guelph alumni just is just a dagger in the heart to think that those two guys could have been at Guelph for the last five years just what a juggernaut that team would have been um with them there um you know when you also though just we, we kind of peeked a little bit ahead with Queens there and in, in, in looking at their last game and with Waterloo you know, we joked that, hey, at the very least, Waterloo can't finish four and four again this year, right? But you know, sitting at two and one, oh my gosh, if they drop this one, then they need to then beat Western, albeit at home. I mean, obviously, they'll still want to get that victory nonetheless the week after, 
and then they play Laurier in the last week of the season, the rematch of Battle of Waterloo, which uh, as of right now looks like it'll have massive playoff implications. So I guess I say all that to say that, oh man, a, a loss to Guelph, uh, like we said, they can't finish 4-4, four and four, but a loss to Guelph certainly, you know, to state the obvious, greatly increases the probability of another 500 season for Waterloo, which, hey, you know what? The way this year has gone down, the way the standings shake out, I don't, there's no, you know, teams aren't getting, you know, I don't, I don't think there's buys in the playoff this this year the way it's working out. You know, it, it's been such a, I mean, unless unless the team's been blessed by by you, Nate, there's little to say whether how well they'll perform in the coming weeks. So, you know, at the end of the day, three and three, as much as it, it would it would kind of feel not wrong, but it would feel just, just feel a little wrong if Waterloo didn't finish above 500. In the grand scheme of things, it probably doesn't matter, but a loss to Guelph is assuredly a step towards making another 500 season happen. Not saying that that would derail their chance at a Yates run. Not saying that would anything like that. It would just feel a little wrong. I don't know. Or maybe it's just, it's so right. I mean, it's happened how many times <laughs> before. They can't escape it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just destiny. their fate at this point. Yeah. It's, Who's that knocking out the door? It's it's your destiny, Waterloo. It's a 500 season, but no, I I I don't I don't I don't personally see that in the cards for them this year. Um, although, like, I just kind of went on that rant about not that that might not that that would probably make a a big difference in the grand scheme of things. Uh, any last thoughts on these games we have coming up this week, Nate? Well, it's just Windsor's come in and seemingly thrown a, a wrench in the plans of the West Division. There, I mean. We all win the season. Let's be honest. I'm sure this was true around other league circles as well, that we kind of all pinned Windsor as that last team. They won't be in the playoff mix. And all of a sudden now they have two wins and you have Mac and Guelph behind them. And all of a sudden it's, you know, teams are going to have to win two out of three to get back up ahead against Windsor. And these are not easy games. This is not like, you you know, two out of three and, and uh, you know, you got a couple – nice home games against some favorable teams or whatever. Like these are going to be tough games down the stretch and, you know, it's already high stakes this week and, you know, it's only going to continue to get more and more. So as we go on, I feel like we're in the playoffs already might as well be. So, you know, let's, uh, let's see what happens. Well, if we are in the, I mean, it doesn't get better than playoff football. So I, I agree. We we are ostensibly already there. So it'll be a fantastic ride. And you know what? Uh, not to really go down this rabbit hole too much because we could probably have a discussion on this. Uh, it could take us another 20 minutes at least. But, you know, depending on how Windsor and Laurier and Guelph, for that matter, close out the year, you know, uh, obviously the reason for having East-West divisions this geographical split has, you know, been for the the obvious reason with trying to, you know, uh, restrict transmission and COVID and all things like that. Um, but I'll admit, there, it's been a kind of, you know, sort of taking it as it is. It's been a fun twist on the OUA to have it with this geographic split. But I say all that in saying that once again, depending on how Guelph and Waterloo, pardon me, Guelph and Windsor and Laurier end up the year, we could have a situation where, for the, I guess, the first time in if not forever in a long freaking time where there could be a situation where maybe a team in the East is making the playoffs when perhaps it's a more deserving team, not making it out of the West. You know, earlier this year, it seemed like, all right, you know what? 
Laurier, Carousello's out. Doesn't look like they'll make it. Windsor, hey, maybe you'll win a game or two. As you were kind of saying, they seem like the consensus pick to not really make much noise. But all of a sudden, and depending on, you know, with York and U of T, how they duke it out in those last two games that they have, and then with their other remaining games, it could become an interesting conversation that we see in some of the pro sport rankings of, you know what, actually, no divisions is the way to go and the more fair way at the end of the day. I don't know if there's any talk of making having divisions as a permanent mainstay in the OUA, all things being back to normal, so to speak, but that's just kind of a thought that occurred to me in looking at how that West, as you are kind of highlighting, how the West has just been such a, a jumbled pot there. Yeah, I think it's been a lot of fun having the divisions and kind of you know, a fun little caveat we have here to add to sort of this shortened season, but, you know, fun does not exactly mean fair, um, as you kind of mentioned. So it does feel a little weird that in the East, only one team's not going to make it in the West, two teams aren't going to make it. And then you have some teams that have to play teams twice and you have some that don't play anybody twice at all. And, you know, I just, it's kind of a weird kind of precedent to set. And if I had to guess, I don't, I don't think I would see it continuing, although I do find it very interesting. Uh, you know, I'd love to see a 12 team come in. And, hey, then we could have six and six. That'd be great. Ooh, but uh, who would be the 12 team in the East or the six team in the East? Who would that? I don't know. Are there universities that don't have football programs? Am I, those, those schools exist. I didn't think. Are you are you technically a university program? If you don't have a football. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go to any of those schools. <laughs> Hey, I had a hard enough time getting into a school that did have a football program that let me play on it. So, you know, once again, partly why I always have love, love for, for Guelph uh, there. But that'll, hey, that'll hey, maybe yeah. maybe we'll be rooting for uh, the Brock Badgers or the OUIT Ridgebacks uh, in a few years. Who knows? <laughs> well, time will only tell. And uh, yeah, we'll see if this becomes a mainstay or if it's just the uh, not not to call it a gimmick because obviously it was needed for the cir- circumstances. But uh, it's certainly been a, a fun lens to view action in the league for this year, and it's given us these fun rematches that we're seeing uh, already kicking off this week from earlier in the year. And uh, hey, this is really where you know those coaches are going to make their money in terms of like you know. On a one-off game, anything can happen. When you get a chance to rewatch that film and see how you make those adjustments with weeks of uh, time in between, you know this is really where I think uh, those coaches are going to show their strength. Yeah. No, and I know kind of. I can only tell you from my experience, you know, having coaches and they they always talk about how hard it is to play a team twice. Now, I, I can't predict this things yet, but we may have a scenario where you're playing a team three times for all we know. So uh, it can become very complicated very quickly when trying to scheme up teams for the third time in a year. So uh, just something to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's bonkers. It's madness. It's, it's OUA action in 2021 and, and we're here for all of it. And, and we hope you're enjoying the ride along with us. Uh, as we mentioned, I'll be at the UFT York game, the one o'clock start, and I am intending to also hit up the six o'clock game, Guelph hosting Waterloo. If you're at either of those games, you know, always please come say what's up. Uh, if you spot me, you normally have the gear on. Uh, I, I'd like to, I'd like to be able to imagine that there's a, a world that exists out there where, you know, you seeing someone without the 55 gear doesn't mean that they probably work for us. But as it stands, if you see someone without the 55 gear, it's probably one of us. Um, well, probably not Nate. Cause I don't think anyone else listening. Maybe you, are we, are, how, how, are you, how's the, our listenership in Vienna? Are we getting, are we, are we selling them on the content? 
Well, you know, I've spoken to a few people about it. Uh, you know, the marketing campaign, we're still we're still de- developing here. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see. Yeah. We'll keep tweeting the games out. I'll keep retweeting them. I'll keep liking the stuff. And, uh, you know, feel free, you know, had a lot of fun. Obviously, we mentioned Coach Demore kind of chipping in uh, on the games. And there are a couple other people we hear from throughout the week. So, you know, obviously engage with us on Instagram, engage with us on Twitter, you know, call us idiots, call us high, call us geniuses, call us whatever you want. But, uh, you know, we love to interact with the community and uh, yeah, hit, hit us up in person, online, wherever you see fit. In IRL or in the URL, whichever you want to do, we are there for the content. So we hope you enjoy these games. And, uh, you know, make sure, as Nate said, you're following us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, live tweeting out those games, keeping you updated. Get in on the conversations because we love it. Check out the website where you can read the breakdown, kind of another version of what we think uh, or what I'm thinking is going down this weekend. And, of course, you can buy gear to support the brand, to uh, make me not the only one out there wearing the merch. Um, and of course, as we keep saying, it supports Stella's Place as well, the nonprofit that supports young people with their mental health and providing them with resources. Um, so that'll wrap it up for us now. Um, cannot wait to see what goes down this weekend. I cannot wait to chop it up with you, Nate, uh, after these games are wrapped up. So we'll be talking with you next time at the 55.